get your Bibles, remain standing, remain standing, turn with me to Romans chapter number one once again. Uh, we're we're going to wrap up chapter one tonight. We've got three, three different lessons and, and outlines we've studied so far in chapter number one, and hopefully we'll get done tonight with chapter number one. Does anybody need a lesson? Anybody need a lesson tonight? Maybe you walked in, forgot a lesson right over here. Anybody else, just hold your hand up and they'll run like the wind. I'm talking about like, like secretariat they're running amen all right anybody else all right right up here in the front amen want to make sure everybody has one anybody on this side anybody on this side all right everybody's good all right church say amen romans 8 or 17 let's go no 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 let's go back to 18 18 uh, uh if you have found your place say amen for the wrath of god is revealed from heaven against all what and what? Unrighteousness of men. Now, what did we say earlier? When we began this study in Romans 7, or the whole book of Romans, we said that Romans is about the righteousness of God, being right with God, how we become right with God, how to stay right with God. Are you with me so far? Uh, the righteousness of God is the theme of the book of Romans, being right with God. Well, tonight... We're going to see that in order to be right with God, we got to know why we're wrong with God. In other words, in order to understand the righteousness of God, we've got to understand the unrighteousness of mankind. Does that make sense? Amen? So first, we see in the very first few verses of Romans chapter number 1, Paul is introducing himself. He is introducing uh, who he is and what he is coming to do. He is coming to preach the gospel. He says, with all that in me is, I'm ready to preach the gospel. Now he goes and he begins to describe the righteousness of God and why that is so important, how holy God is, how helpless man is, and now we are walking into the courtroom, if you will, in order to declare God's righteousness, he has to help us understand and see our unrighteousness. Now, that's what we're fixing to read tonight, all right? In verse 18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who hold the truth in unrighteousness, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. For God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things uh, from the creation, uh, excuse me, the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Nobody will have an excuse when they stand before God about knowing that there was a God. God says this, they can see me, they can see my handiwork in all of creation. The Bible says the glory of the Lord is declared through the creation of his hands. All right? In verse number uh, 21. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. And God, it says, and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man, and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore... God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause, 
God gave them up unto vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men leaving the natural use of the woman, burning their lust one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind uh, to do those things which are not convenient. Three times we saw God gave them up. God gave them up. Now he gives them over. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. Verse 29. Being filled with all unrighteousness and fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, uh, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventor of evil things, disobedient to parents. Does that sound like today? Without understanding, covenant, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, and who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Father, we need your help tonight. This is a really serious topic, Lord, and it's, it's very important that we get this. This lays the foundation for the whole book. God, I pray that you'll help us. Give us what we stand in need of. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Romans. 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 I, we said last week that, that one, of the, one of the purposes of the book of Romans is to understand the righteousness of God. Uh, understand how to be right with God, uh, how to get right with God, and how to stay right with God. So, with that being said, Paul begins his letter. Paul begins his letter with his introduction, who he was. Then he talks about the righteousness of God and how we find that in the gospel. He said, therein, in the gospel, we find that in verse 18. Well, or excuse me, verse 17. Then in verse 18 on through, even up to chapter number 3, Paul begins to lay out the condition of mankind. In order for us to understand, like I said a while ago, the righteousness of God, we've got to understand our condition. We have to understand the unrighteousness of man. Before a man will go to the doctor, he has to know that he is sick. Are y'all with me? Before somebody will stop and ask for directions, they got to know their... Before someone will get saved, they got to get lost. You can't, you can't get saved till you get lost. Getting saved is the easy part. Helping people understand their condition that they're lost without God, that's the hard part. Paul, here we are in this, in this section of, of Scripture that we find in chapter number 1. How many of you have been in a mall? Now, ladies, don't lie to me now. Come on, help me. All right, how many of y'all been in a mall? Been in a mall. When y'all walk in that front entrance of that mall... There is something that stares you right in the face. What is that? See there? The map. The map. And on that map, on that map, there is a little red dot. And what does that red dot say? You are here. Now, why do we need a red dot? Why do we need somebody to tell us where we are on the map? Because in order to get where we want to go, we got to know where we are. And before Paul begins to describe how to get where they want to go, and that is being right with God, they got to know where they are. Jesus said the same thing in John chapter number 3. 
Everybody can quote verse 16. But many people don't know verses 17 and 18. I put it right there in your notes. Look at this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Now watch this. God didn't send his Son to condemn the world. Y'all with me? Jesus said, I didn't come to condemn you. They thought that. They believed that. They felt that. He said, I didn't come to condemn you. I didn't come to put you into a situation. What does he say in verse 18? He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is what? In other words, Jesus is saying, I didn't come to put you in a condemned condition. That is where you already are. Does that make sense? So Paul is doing the same thing that Jesus did when he came. He said, I came to help you. I came to save you. I came so you would understand where you're at because you can't get to where you want to go till you know where you're at. And in this, in this section of Scripture, Paul is basically helping us understand where we really are. And when I use the term we, I'm talking about mankind. Mankind. How in the world, how in the world did we get from Adam and Eve who walked in the garden in the cool of the day, I'm talking about knew God's name, knew intimate fellowship with him, walked and talked and spoke with God, spent time with God, did all of this stuff, how we started there and we ended up with truce breakers, covenant breakers, without natural affection despisers, haters of God, people that don't even believe there is a God. How do we get there? Paul begins to describe it. Paul begins to lay it out. In these few verses, we're going to find how we went from the Garden of Eden to the present day. Mankind. Mankind. Evolutionists. Well, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me, let me slow down a little bit. How did we get from knowing God, walking with God, loving God, fellowshipping with God to, to the point mankind as a whole, in general, doesn't even believe there is a God? How did we get there? Because that's where we're at. And Paul is helping us understand that. That is the basic description of unrighteousness. Now, I, I, there was a TV show... There was a TV show on a while back. I think it was called Medical Investigations. But they, it, they would, they'd have this, this plot line where they would go and they would trace a, a, a plague or a sickness or disease. It was running rampant. It was contagious. And, and they would say, where did you go and what did y'all eat? All right, these three victims over here ate at the same restaurant here. And they got cabbage from uh, Nicaragua and, you know, and all this stuff. And then they trace it back to a monkey to come on the ship. Are y'all with me? Well, in order to find, we, we see the symptoms, there's people dying, there's people getting sick, there's all these problems. Well, they go backwards and they trace it back, they trace it back, they trace it back, all the way back to the source. That's what we want to do tonight. Everybody can see the symptoms. Everybody can see the disease that we have that's eating alive society and it's eating alive our culture. I mean, we can see in the last few verses of this chapter, I mean, that, that is just a description of what you're going to walk out of these doors and see. Am I right? 
All right, we know that that's there, and we know that that's what we're experiencing, but we're going to have to go back to see where it started. Why is this so important? I didn't get it. I didn't get it till I studied it. I didn't get it till I seen it. But we need to know this as Christians because when we get to the source, when we go backwards and we get to the source where it all started, Everybody in this room, whether you're saved or lost, can become guilty of the same thing. And if we become guilty of what started the downfall, are y'all with me? We can experience the same symptoms that our broke-down world out here is experiencing today. Amen? Y'all ready to go backwards? Let's study it. Three things we're going to look at tonight. Three things we're going to look at. First, we're going to look at symptoms. We start with symptoms. Uh, when, when, when the person goes to the hospital, they go over symptoms. They go over what's going on, what are you experiencing, what are you feeling, what, what, what are you going through, what are the symptoms. Then we're going to look at the stages of unrighteousness, the symptoms of unrighteousness, then the stages of unrighteousness, how it progressed from one stage to the next. And then, lastly, we're going to talk about the source of unrighteousness. How did we go from knowing God to not believing in God? How do we go from being right with God to being completely wrong with God? All right? Say amen. Number one. Number one, I want you to see the symptoms, the symptoms of unrighteousness. First, and if you're taking notes, write this down. I want you to see a rampant regression. A rampant regression. And, and the word should be up here to help you spell it. Uh, a rampant regression. Scientists today... And, and evolutionists today want you to believe, and they want to teach you, and they want to cram down your throat, that man started from a lesser being and became a greater being. Man started from an amoeba. Man started from a single cell and just kept evolving and evolving and went from the lesser to the greater and went from something bad to something good. And, and you know what God says? It's the exact opposite. The world wants you to think that man is getting better and better and better and society is getting better and better and better. But it doesn't take a rocket scientist to turn on the TV and watch the news and watch the wickedness of society to realize that man's getting worse and worse and worse. There is a regression that has taken place. In the chapter from verses number 18, from verses number 18 all the way to verse number 32, we find a regression, a going backwards, a going from a, a lower to a less perfect state, going uh, in, in, in a worse way. God's description of sinners is not a pretty one, but we cannot avoid it. This section does not teach evolution, that man started low and climbed high, but devolution. He started high and because of sin has sank lower than the beast. Four stages mark man's tragic devolution, or in other words, his downfall, his decline, if you will. First, man started in verses 18 through 20. We find out that man started with high intelligence. Man started out knowing God. There's no greater wisdom than knowing God. The Bible says all through Proverbs that, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And there's no greater knowledge and wisdom than knowing God. Let a man, listen, don't, 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 don't let a man, the Bible says, let a man not rejoice in his, and brag about his wealth. And don't let him brag about his accomplishments. But let him brag in this, that he knoweth me. 
Man started with a high intelligence. Man started with an ability to know God and, 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 and listen, an opportunity to walk with God and fellowship with God. Then he went to a place of ignorance. In verses 21 through 23, we find ignorance. He begins to choose not to. He began to choose to ignore God and became foolish in his understanding, became foolish in his decision. He chose not to. Even though he knew God, he chose not to be associated with God, and he didn't want anything to do with God, and we'll find out why. Boy, I tell you, this chapter is going to reveal a whole lot to you tonight. You're going to see some stuff. Why do you think liberals want to push down your throat that there is no God? Why do people want to, uh, listen, they want to live such an immoral life? They want to tell you there is no God. You are your own God. We're going to find out tonight. It's going to open your eyes to see, wow, that's why they act the way they do. Man started with high intelligence, then they went through a stage of ignorance, then indulgence. Indulgence. Let's just do whatever we want to do. Let's just live however we want to live. Marry whoever we want to marry. Be with whoever we want to be. Act any way we want to act. The Bible says in the book of Judges, because there was no king in Israel, every man did that which was right in his own eyes. You know what man does without a God? What man does without an authority? What man does without a king? Whatever he blessed well pleases. And if you understand this, that your man's heart is desperately wicked, man's heart unrestrained, it's desperately wicked, and when he has no authority in his life, he just adjusts right to wherever he is. Man, a sad condition. Is that not where we're at today? Intelligence, ignorance, indulgence, then impenitence. In other words, I refuse to change. I refuse to believe. I refuse to repent. I refuse to do anything different the symptoms of unrighteousness in man there is a rampant regression and by the way it's not going to get any better mankind is not going to get any better are y'all with me the bible says in the last days in the last days that that because iniquity abounds the love of many shall what wax cold it's going to get worse and worse and worse. So, preacher, that's kind of depressing. Well, believe me, the darker the night, the brighter the light. The darker it gets out there, the brighter that Christians stand forth and hold forth the Word of God. I promise you this it's worth standing for God. Say amen. There is a rampant regression. Man's getting worse and worse and worse and worse. All right? We see that. We find that. And to save time, I'm not going to go in there but, and read these verses. But when you go home, read the verses that I put beside those, those stages, and you'll see what I'm talking about. B, there is a rampant regression. Then we see a removed restraint. A removed restraint. I heard, I heard somebody say this one time. That, that, that God has given up on homosexuals. And they read this chapter to determine their uh, decision and doctrine on that particular, particular subject. But let me tell you, everybody in this room, under the sound of my voice, I want everybody to hear this and hear this well. God has never gave up on anybody. The Bible says he gave them up, and we're going to describe what that means and what that's talking about. But God loves 
every human, homosexual, heterosexual. He loves the sinner. He loves the saint. He loves the good, and he loves the bad. And he died for every single sinner, no matter who they are. But what is this verse talking about? What is this verse talking about? When, and, and, and this is not just talking about a, a, a certain group of people in a certain culture. He's talking about mankind in general. Mankind in general. He gave them up to. He gave them up to. Three times we read that. Now watch this. Because of their sin, God gave them up. Which means that he permitted them to go on their, in their sins and reap the sad consequences. Now let me give you a brief illustration. Let me give you a little illustration. You can't help me a minute. All right, before we read any more on there, uh, now I want you to run as hard as you can into that wall, okay? Seriously. Really. Run as hard as you can. I got you. I got you. Now I'm going to hold him back. Now I see he's doing something very stupid. Are you all with me? I mean, it don't take a rocket scientist to know if he runs into that wall hard, he can hurt himself. Y'all with me? He's going to call, cause great injury to himself. I see that. I realize that. I know what's coming. I know what's happening. And I know the path that he's taken is a dangerous path. Y'all with me? All right. Forward to it. Now, he's go. this is mankind. They're trying to go the wrong way. A hundred miles an hour. Now, watch this. God finally makes a choice. That's not in Romans. Well, I know you're letting me go. All right. We'll back away a little bit. Now, do y'all see what's happening? God is watching mankind run from him. Run from a knowledge of him. Running from an awareness of him. Running from a relationship with him. Running from a fellowship with him. Running from his ways and his, his law and his purity and his holiness. And they keep on running and they won't quit. So God comes to a point that he gives them up. In other words, he refuses restraint. He lets them go. He didn't give up on them. How many of y'all have ever had a kid that just kept irritating you and irritating you and irritating you and said, all right, go ahead. You know what's going to happen. You know when they touch that hot wire, it's going to give them a permanent orange afro. Say amen. <laughs> and they just keep on and keep on and keep on and keep on and keep until they get God frustrated. And he says, go ahead. That's what that means. God's never given up on anybody. It means he allows them to do what they're headstrong going to do anyway. Are y'all with me? What does that mean? That means this. When they slap that wall and they begin to experience the consequences of their foolishness and the consequences of their decisions, and they turn around and say, this is not wise. God, will you please take me? Guess what he'll do? He'll forgive you. He'll save you. I had a preacher down in Florida telling everybody and, and having this, teaching people, God won't save homosexuals. Once they become a homosexual, then they, they God's turned them over and they can't get saved. That is so unbiblical. 
He don't even know his Bible. You know what God says? He says, okay. Okay. There came a time that the prodigal son's daddy had to let him go. He knew what the son was going to face. He knew what the son was going to experience. He knew the direction. God Almighty, there's some power in this. If you just get this. He knew what he was going to experience. He knew what he was going to face when he got out there. He knew what he was going to lose. But he was so headstrong, he said, okay. But just like the prodigal sons, when they hit the bottom, he's waiting with open arms. Somebody say amen. God gave them up. He said, okay. Okay, you choose and not to trust me. You're choosing not to believe in me. You're choosing to go your own way. Okay. Okay. Because of their sin, God gave them up, which means that he permitted them. He allowed them to go on in their sin and reap the consequences. They received in their own persons the due penalty of their error. This is the meaning of Romans 1.8. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven. God revealed his wrath not by sending fire from heaven, but by abandoning sinful men to their lustful ways. In other words, allowing them the consequences of their actions and decisions. When man began to feel the tragic consequences of his sins, you would think he would repent and seek God. Now, many do. Many do. Sometimes it takes difficulty to get us to turn around. Amen? That prodigal son, he never turned around till it got bad for him. Now, I mean, it got real bad. He got to the point that he didn't have nothing, zero. He had nothing on earth, and he was so hungry, he was willing to eat the slop of the hogs, which to a Jewish boy was just the ultimate, ultimate taboo. But it took that to get him to turn around. Now, a lot of people will. That will get some people's attention, but... With mankind, the majority of mankind, it didn't. You would think it would, they would have repented and sought God, but just the opposite was true. Because he was abandoned by God, he could only become worse. Man did not even want to retain God in his knowledge. So God gave them over, this time, to a reprobate mind. Now, what does that mean? What does a depraved mind mean? It means a mind that cannot form right judgments a mind that cannot form right judgments have you ever wondered how some folks can and you, you you're sitting there like how in god's name could you think that is right how in the world could a sane human being believe that it's okay to whatever are y'all with me and then he lists all these sins and before you before you want to just, just jump on the sin of homosexuality. Don't forget all the rest of them. Don't forget all the rest of them. They're all there. And it gets to the point they're so deceived, they can't make sound judgment. They now abandon themselves to sin. Paul names 24 specific sins, all of which are with us today. Now, how many of y'all are glad God loves sinners? How many of y'all believe we need to? Heterosexual or homosexual? We need to love them. Thieves, murderers, 
drug addicts, anything listed in this list, we need to show the love of God. Amen? Now watch this. Let's look at the stages. Boy, this starts just to come alive here in just a second. You're going you're to go, wow. All right? We see symptoms. We see, we see uh, 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 just an, an unbelievable amount of wickedness, an unbelievable amount of digression, uh, an unbelievable amount of going the wrong way. I mean, just, just one thing after another. But what takes place? What causes this? Now, really, I should have put B for A and A for B because if we're going backwards... It really should go that way, but I didn't want to do it. So uh, let's do it this way. We're going to go backwards on all of them but this one. Say amen. Because it just, it made more sense in my mind to do it this way because first we find idolatry, then we find immorality. That's the order it came. We're supposed to be going backwards to trace it to the source, but this helped me make sense. Are y'all with me? Say amen. So with that being said, he traces it back. He finds, all right, how did, this, how did we get to the point where, where we're thinking stuff that's so crazy and don't even make sense, not even natural. It, it's just not even natural. How do we get to that place of immorality and that, that much craziness in the world? First, it came with idolatry. Watch what it says. Watch what it says in verse number 23. They changed the glory of God, the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man. Why'd they do that? Why'd they do that? How many of y'all remember, and I think it's Exodus chapter 32, there was a man by the name of Moses who led a big group of people out of, out of Egypt. Y'all with me? And he said, he said, they said, who is God? He said, he told me his name and this I am. I am has sent me. And I am showed them all kind of things. Well, then Moses went to spend some time with I am on the mountain and stayed a little bit longer than what they thought he ought to. Be careful when you go to Russian God. And then they said this. They came to Aaron. They said, I want you to make us a God because this, this Moses guy, if you go and read it, man, I'm telling you, it sounds so disrespectful. They're slaves being being treated less than dirt and Moses comes and leads them out in such an incredible way and they treat him like dirt. This Moses guy, we don't know where he's at. He's up there. So he's probably dead up there. We, we don't know what happened to him. Make us a God. Make us a God. And Aaron, you know, surely if he talked about their pocketbook, they'd change their mind. So he said, go give me all your gold. And they did. They made the golden calf made the golden calf why why what idolatry what 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 is what is the deal the bible says in verse number 18 go back up to verse 18 for the wrath of god is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men watch this who hold the truth in unrighteousness or means literally means to hold it back to restrain the truth, if you will. Having held down God's truth. And, and did I give you A? Did I give you A? Write that down. First, we see a godless idolatry. Excuse me. A godless idolatry. Verse 23. It says, They changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image. In verse 25, Who changed the truth of God into a lie. 
there was a godless idolatry. Now watch this. Having held down God's truth and refusing to acknowledge God's glory, man was left without a God. All right, y'all see what happened? Let's go back to those stages again. First, they had a relationship with God. Adam and Eve walked in the, in the garden with the cool of the day. Even in the very beginnings of, of mankind's, the generations, the Bible said men began to call upon the name of the Lord. But there come a place in the, in the history of mankind that they said, oh, we just don't want to mess with him anymore. We want to do our own thing, and we will, you know, we, we just don't want to. He's got his ways, and, you know, and he, he, it's, it's very restrictive, and, and, and I, I, I want to do it my way. I want to do my thing. I want nobody telling me what to do. I, you know, I know he's real, but we're going to ignore him. You know, if we ignore him, maybe he'll go away. And, they, and, and here they are. They ignore God, and they become ignorant. Y'all with me? Now we don't have a God. Now we don't have a God. But there's only one problem. There's only one problem. You were created to worship God. You were divinely designed to worship God. So there is something inside of you that craves and desires and will worship something. And if it's not God, it's going to be a person, it's going to be a job, it can be children, it can be wickedness and pornography, it can be all kind of things, but you're going to worship something. Y'all with me? So here we are. We've got a people who have chosen to disregard God. They've chosen to ignore God. They've chosen to put him on the... We're, we, don't want, we, don't, we don't need no God. We, we, we don't want to even retain God in our knowledge, this chapter says. We're just going to... But, like we said, man's left without a God. And man is so constituted that he must worship something. If he will not worship the true God, he will worship a false God even if he has to manufacture it himself. Do you realize evolution is a religion? They talk about keeping, keeping religion out of schools. There's no, there's, no, there's no more stronger religion than evolution. They're preaching a theory. That's all evolution is. It's a theory. But they want to prove, they want to preach it as truth. You know why? They've got to replace God. And here's what you say. Why are they doing that, man? Why, why would they? It's going to make sense. Just keep following me. So here we are. we got man without a God. There is a God, but they choose not to, to glorify him as God. They choose not to, to recognize him. So there's no God. We, there's, there's no such thing as God. But, but I'm so constituted in my, my design and my creation, the way God made me, I'm going to worship something. I've got to have something to worship. I've got to have something to give all my attention to and give my time to and my talents to. and So even if i got to make it up myself, what, what you, say, you say, how is that true? Look in verse 23. They professed. Let me go back to verse 21. Because Verse 21. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but vain became vain in their imagination, and their foolish heart was darkened. They said, so we're going to just ignore him. We're going to act like he's not there. They said they became wise, but they became fools. Scientists will tell you, you're crazy for believing there's a greater being. 
They'll tell you you're crazy and you're foolish and you're ignorant if you believe that there's a higher power. There is a God that created all mankind. Am I right? Now watch, they became fools. They thought they were wise, but they became fools. They changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man, to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Now watch this. Man, birds, four-footed beasts, creeping things. What's the first on the list? What does culture want to teach you and preach to you? You're your own God. You make up the rules for your life. Whatever you want to do, you just do it. Whatever you, it feels good for you, you just do it. You're your own God. We are our own God. We, we harness our own power. We are our own God. Isn't that kind of what the devil told Eve in the garden? Isn't that the same thing? Watch. Watch. Man. We have no God, but we've got to worship something. So we're going to make up our own. All right? In, in, in the wilderness, they said, Moses is dead. We don't know where God is and all this stuff, but we're going to bow down to something, so make us one. They made the golden calf. Now, we can look at the children of Israel, and we can say, boy, that's terrible. But guess what? There are so many golden calves in the church today, it's incredible. And there is a great golden calf by the name of tradition that people are bowing down to. Guess what? Do you realize people can worship this? God never called you to worship this. God called you to worship who wrote this. And I have seen so many people stand up and spend 45 minutes defending this when God said, don't defend that, preach that. Because that tells you about who I am. And what we've had, we've got a movement right now where people are worshiping this and not the God who wrote it. People are worshiping tradition. If you don't sing your songs like I like, if you don't, if you don't have your church service the way we have it, if you don't have your time set up, and, and the guy sat in the foyer and said, we're not a real church because our Sunday school is not on Sunday morning. And, and that just reveals just a sad ignorance because he's worshiping a format and he's worshiping a, a program, not who the program is supposed to be teaching people about. And that's God. So, so don't, don't jump on the, the, the Israelites for the golden calf because we may have some golden calves in our closets like sports, hobbies, things that become more important to God. Than, are y'all with me? So I'll move right along. We're enjoying that point so good. Amen? It says, it says that man substituted a God that he made himself. He exchanged glory for shame, incorruption for corruption, truth for lies. There's a reason. We're going to get to that. Note that first on the list of false gods is man. Instead of man being made in God's image, man made God in his own image and then descended so low as to worship birds, beasts, and bugs. 
How would you like to bow down to a bug? Ain't that something? But do you see how low in the, the, in the regression that it has become? To a point that we will submit and surrender to a bug. A cow walking down the street. There are countries today where people are starving to death and cows walking everywhere because they're their God. How low has man become? When the Bible says God has made man just a little lower than the angels. Man has not got better. Man has gotten worse. Why? Why? We keep saying, let's keep digging. Because of the godless idolatry, it's always followed. Anywhere you see idolatry, anywhere you see idolatry, do you know what happened after they made the golden calf? They had a party. They had their first worship service and got naked, got immoral. Because immorality always follows idolatry. Immor say it with me. Immorality, say it with me, always follows idolatry. Idolatry. Boy, this is going to just, we're going to just draw this to a head and just say. In verses 23 and 25, we saw they made their own gods. They made gods after birds. They made gods after animals. They changed it. Say, we're just not even going to believe there is a God. We're just going to bow down to the creature, not the creator. So what happens? Immorality takes place, verses 26 and 27. For this cause... God gave them up unto vile affections. Even, and, and we see in verse 27, or excuse me, verses 26 and 27, actually all the way through 32, we see what, what took place when God was not where he belonged. From idolatry to immorality is just one short step. If man is his, now here's the deal, here's the deal. Why should we ignore God? This is, this is going to make so much sense right here. This one sentence is going to make so much sense. It's going to make everything fall together. Why should I ignore God? Why should I say there is no God? Why should I say I am my own God? If man is his own God, then he can do whatever he pleases and fulfill his desires without fear of judgment. You know why people want to run around and say there is no God? Because if they believe and say there is a God, then there is a hell. If there is a God, then there is a such thing as holiness. If there really is a God, there is a such thing as righteousness. If there really is a God, then there is a such thing as judgment. I don't want to believe there's a judgment. I don't want to believe there's a hell. And I, I don't want to believe that there is righteousness because I want to live like I want to live. I want to do what I want to do. But if there's really a God, I can't do that. I can't be what I want to be. I can't do what I want to do. Now here is the, here's the, great, here's the great deception. This is how Satan is so, so good. And what he does. Everything that will bring us 
true peace and true joy and true satisfaction is not found in doing whatever we want to do. Ask Solomon. Solomon said, if there was to do, I'd done it. If there was to have, I had it. If there was to buy, I bought it. 1,000 women. He said, I had all the women I wanted. I had all the money I wanted. I had all the power I wanted. Matter of fact, I had everything this world has to offer. And it was all what? Vanity. Which means empty. You see, the devil will sell the world. And when you unwrap the package, it's empty. Man says, I want to do what I want to do because if I can do what I want to do, then I'll be happy. And we find out that when we do what we want to do and we live like we want to live and we behave like we want to behave, it just leaves us empty. When God says, just come to me. In His presence, oh, this is good. In His presence is fullness joy you know what we all need to be doing I don't do it enough and I need to do it more when we leave out of this Bible study we ought to pray every moment till Sunday we can get in his presence when we come to worship him now let me tell you we're not limited to getting in his presence Sunday now I'm getting a little off subject but let me just let me just indulge a minute here when you get in his presence, I, I was sitting, I was sitting uh, in, 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 my, in my room the other day, and, and I, just, I just had Chris Tomlin playing in, 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 on, my, on my deal, and, and, uh, and they, were, they, were singing, they were singing, you know, How Great Is Our God. And then, and then they went in that second one, I think it's Our God. I, I don't remember what the second one on that, on that list is, but, man, I'm telling you what, it was like I could feel him in the room with me, and, man, there's nothing like that. There's no hide, there's no needle, there's no bottle, there's nothing that can give you what God can give you. But the devil will lie to you and say, oh, if you just live, just live for yourself, live for the world, just do what you want to do. Then, And you'll find out that when you dibble and dabble and you have all of that, and all you have left is broken dreams. Empty. But see, if there is no God, then I can do what I want to do. That's why they chose disregard him that's why they chose to ignore him they wanted to just get him out of their conscience they we just don't want god doesn't that sound familiar let's get god out of the schools let's get god out of the government let's get god we want to they're trying to get god out of churches because if we can if we can get him away then our conscience won't bother us anymore because if there is a god then there's judgment we reach the climax in this verse. We reach the climax of man's battle with God's truth. When man exchanges the truth of God for the lie, and he abandons truth completely, what is the lie? That, that man is his own God, and he should worship and serve himself and not the Creator. It was this lie that Satan used in the garden to lead Eve to sin. Ye shall be as God, Satan says to Eve. 
Listen, when we fall into idolatry, we're really wor- we're not we're not really worshiping ourselves. We're worshiping Him. The result of this self-deification was self-indulgence. When we make ourselves gods, then we can do what we want to do. And here Paul mentions a sin that was rampant in that day and has become increasingly prevalent in our own day, which is homosexuality. This sin is repeatedly condemned in Scripture. Paul characterizes it as vile and unnatural and as well as against nature. Not only were the men guilty, but even the women. And you, and you see it just d- d- digresses from there. 29 different sins we find in this chapter. Because I want to do what I want to do. But you know what? The source of all of that, and this is where Christians come in. So, preacher, I, 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 I haven't done all that kind of stuff. and I, 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 All right, here's the source. The source to the whole deal is found in verse 21. And we're going to say this and pray. Everybody go to verse 21. Y'all with me? Because that. In verses 19 and 20, he takes away man's excuse about knowing God. Because he says even the creation says that there's a God. There's no excuse. He takes away the excuse. See, see, here's the deal. Paul is, Paul is deeming mankind guilty. Because we can't get right till we know we're wrong. Y'all with me so far? I ain't lost you on that, right? Paul is pronouncing mankind guilty. Now, this is the ultimate deal. This is where the source, this is where it started. We know the symptoms. We know the wickedness. We know the, we know the sin. We know how, how, how everything is. We know all of this stuff. But where did it start? Where did it start? Verse 21. Because that when they knew God, when they knew Him, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful. When mankind failed to appreciate God, when mankind failed to appreciate God, give me A. They failed to appreciate His love for them. They failed to appreciate His provision for them. They failed to appreciate His purpose for them. They were unthankful. Unthankful. They knew Him. It wasn't like they... they they, they never heard of him. They knew him. And, and KNEW talks about it, an intimate knowledge. That there, 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 was a, there was a certain amount of closeness. Matter of fact, if we really want to be honest, they knew him better than we do today. When they knew him, they didn't appreciate him. They didn't appreciate his person. 
They didn't appreciate who he was. They didn't appreciate what they did, what he did for them. And when there is a forsaken appreciation, this takes place. There is a failed authorization. The Bible says, verse 21, because that, when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God. Why? Neither were thankful. What does that mean, to glorify as God? They glorified Him not as God. They knew God, but they didn't glorify Him as God. The word God there is the Greek word theos. You with me? Stay with me. I'm wrapping it up right here. Theos. What does theos mean? It means a magistrate, an official entrusted with administration of the laws, a principal official exercising governmental powers. Now watch this. Watch this. Come here, Brother Buchanan. All right. Stand over here. This is the seat of authority. If you will, if you will want to use this terminology, this is the king's what? Throne. This is where decisions come down. This is where, where uh, 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 judgments are made. This is where all the authority takes place. Every single human being alive on planet Earth, every single person in this room right here has one of these in your life. You have one of these in your soul, if you will. In your heart, everybody has a throne. Everybody has a seat of authority. God created us. This is God. And His rightful place in everybody's heart is in the seat of authority. The place of administration. The place of decision-making. The place of governmental authority. And when man lived his life, and he had failed to appreciate God's choices and decisions for their life, they said, you no longer. They glorified him not as God, theos, authority. Even though they knew him, they did not put him in place of authority in their life. When they didn't appreciate him. When they failed to be thankful for who he was, what he has done, 
How many of us, all we can see is what we don't have? But we can't see what we do have. All we can see is what we want, but we can't see what we have. All we can see is what somebody else has, and we can't, and we fail to be thankful. And when we fail to be thankful, we take God off of his rightful place, do not glorify him as God, and we either do this, or we put a hobby here, we put a job here. We put a child here. Because we're going to worship something. And when God is not in his rightful place in our life, idolatry always leads to immorality. Let me say this. I, I, I've gone longer than I normally do, but I, I, I need you to understand something. This is not just in a sinner's life. This is in a saint of God's life. When we fail to appreciate God and who He is and what He's done for us, then we will cease to put Him as God in our life because we'll start second-guessing all His decisions for our life. God, why ain't you doing this for me already? Why haven't you sold this for me already? Why haven't you got this for me already? Why haven't you done... Why, why, why? When we fail to appreciate him, we will fail to give him authorization in our life and authority in our life, and we become our own God, and that is idolatry, and it won't be long till we start living in immorality. Because, because, immorality is the next stage past idolatry because we begin to do our own thing and I don't know about y'all I know y'all probably good people but I'm not Paul said if you were to look into my heart and my life Paul says this my heart is desperately wicked I'm, I'm, a, I'm a terrible person left on my own I have no potential for good whatsoever there is none righteous no not one for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God and if God is not in the rightful place we're going to be a mess we can't even make right decisions if God's not where he needs to be how did man go from walking in the cool of the day and walking with God to a place where man says there is no God Said it started with idolatry. No. It started when they failed to be thankful. When they failed to be thankful. Church, say amen. How many of y'all feel, as every head's bowed and every eye closed, how, how many of y'all feel like you preach it? This would be a good time to just find a place in this altar and be thankful for a minute. Just to find a place in this altar and say, Preacher, I'm broke. I don't have anything. You're breathing. Let all that hath breath praise the Lord. I may not have what I want, but I have what I need. 
I may not have what my neighbor has, but I have more than what 50% of the planet has. I wonder who would just come and find a place in this altar. And let's, let's just be thankful.